Work, wealth, wisdom. This is DC Entrepreneur. We're sharing stories, ideas, and lessons from startups and businesses in the pursuit of innovation. And we're helping build a community of problem solvers and thought leaders in the Washington area. Now, here's your host, George Mocharco. All right, this is the first podcast. It's an exciting day. Very exciting day. Yeah. Uh, so here I am, George Mocharco with DC Entrepreneur. I'm interviewing Eric Smebi. Eric Smebi is the founder of Tuition Coin. Yes. which is a startup that helps students with their debt problem and also helps investors diversify their portfolios by investing in student loans. Eric, can you tell me how you got the idea for Tuition Coin? Yeah, actually, I was uh, reading a book on risk management, and there's a, a theoretical thing kind of saying, here's how student loans should be done. I was thinking about it. I just like, you know, somebody needs to do this and not just have it as an idea but actually go out in the marketplace and build a company around this basic concept, which is that you know the risk for student loans is way lower than people think. So tell me what happens with, with the risk of student loans. What, what, what's the impact on the economy here from student loan default? Yeah, so student loan default is really crushing education, first because it's this big a- anchor, where it used to be that people would say education, and when they said education, uh, they meant pretty much all of education was kind of in one bucket. But now it's really kind of bifurcated into different areas. Um, so you have, you know, your Ivy Leagues, you have your four-year publics, you have kind of for-profits, you have art schools. There's all these different things that deliver different value. But for some reason, the consumer still thinks of it as just college. And it's just this one thing. And so one of the things we try to do is price risk better by saying, here are the schools that are succeeding giving people good marketable degrees that enable them to have uh, better salaries and kind of better lifetime earning. And here's the schools that really needed to be avoided um, because they're definitely failing schools. There's schools with default rates over 30%, um, which is just really, really bad. And the problem is the government is sending money to any school. So it's pretty much funneling all to these for-profit schools that a lot of times are taking advantage of students. Eric, can you tell me a little bit more about what the index is that you tie tuition point to when it comes to student graduation rates? So we really look at starting salaries. Uh-huh. So we kind of look at different degrees, have different starting salaries, and that tells us a lot of information about your future earning power and the way kind of those salary curves go. So where your salary should be in five years, ten years. Um, and so we can use that to help price risk better. So when you're doing this kind of... Um, tie to the the market, you're looking at which jobs actually uh, have certain graduates. How do you know that these graduates in certain programs don't necessarily have a future when a market opens up in a different area? Yes, we base it on one average starting salaries, and we also wait until someone's already graduated and have a job. Um, That way we can basically know here's where they're starting at and where that fits in kind of the typical band. So we kind of can predict from that where they should be in the future. And a lot of times, you know, future predictions are based on jobs that a lot of times don't even exist right now. And I think that's the real value of education. And when we look at some of the good schools, um, which a lot of times are just general public schools, and people getting, you know, even, uh, you know, humanity-type degrees, oftentimes are earning really good salaries and doing much better than just a high school degree because that school has prepared them. Um, for the marketplace, even if it's not specifically an engineering degree. 
Eric, can you please tell me how tuition coin is a benefit for investors? Yeah, so for investors, we basically are skipping the banking system by doing our own securitization, which allows investors to invest in our pool of loans, which are extremely low default risk. And we uh, split it into three tranches, which basically is A, B, or C. So as an investor, you can pick your risk level and get interest rates that are significantly higher than comparable risk investments. So your CDs, treasuries, uh, bonds, um, we generally offer a much better interest rate than those type of products. And you're helping students as well. Now, how does this help an investor diversify their portfolio? Yeah, great question. So if you think of the different investment opportunities you have, you know, generally you have stocks and then you kind of have bonds. And bonds, it's all company risk. Right. So we're basically creating a new entity, which is kind of the student loan risk. Um, so this is a, a new pool that really isn't tapped. And it may correlate a little bit with kind of mortgage pools, which are also investable products, but student debt can actually have a higher interest rate than mortgages because mortgages are way, way lower interest rates, so there's less of a spread to pass on to investors. And because we're kind of new in this, uh, we have a great interest rate for borrowers, but still gives us enough of a spread to pass on a better interest rate to investors. So it sounds like you want to have institutional investors invest in tuition coins. Is the tuition coin also available or accessible to just a general member of the public? Um, we are working on complying with all security regulations, so we're hoping that we'll eventually be able to offer securities in Virginia only to any resident of Virginia, as well as any accredited investor nationally. And are you also looking to take tuition coin to a national level and invest in students' degrees from any kind of co college in the United States? Correct. If you go to any school, you can go onto our platform and see what interest rate you could get. Currently, we only have our consumer finance figured out for Virginia. So if you apply, we'll kind of put you in queue for that state. So the more loans we get for a state, the higher likelihood of us moving into your state to help you out. Um, but we do want to go national. The idea is to prove our concept in Virginia, cycle the money through with investors, and then scale nationally when we raise our next round of investment. So tell me now, uh, how did you get the idea for Tuition Coin? Like, what, what drove you to create this, this startup? Yeah, so I've been in the education industry for about 15 years. Uh -huh. I'm also a registered investment advisor, so I have a passion for finance. Yeah. And I'm just fascinated with the whole mortgage crisis and how all of that works. And just thinking about the two kind of passions, I feel like education has a huge problem with student debt, where it's just weighing education down, and it's weighing this whole generation coming up. And I feel I'm well-suited to solve that problem with my background in technology of automation, big data analytics, putting that on the table, plus my passion for finance, to really bring that kind of investment knowledge into creating a system that can give borrowers a great deal and investors a great deal. Sounds great. Well, Eric, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. It's great. Great being on your first podcast. I'm with Mark London with uh, Front Desk Connect. He's going to tell us about his app. Hi, Mark. How are you? Uh, can you please tell me what uh, Front Desk Connect is? What's the concept behind it? Yeah, so we are an alternative solution to the phone inside your hotel room. So you go to uh, a hotel that's using Front Desk Connect, and at the check-in, the Front Desk uh, person lets you know that you're running on Front Desk Connect. And you download the app right there and put in the code for that facility. And now all the capability of the phone that's in the room is now on your mobile device. So now you can connect with the front desk, the concierge, or the valet. 
you could be at the pool, you could be at the beach, the casino, uh, the restaurant, and have all that connection without having to go to the lobby to talk to the front desk or without having to be tied to the phone that's in your room, that old wired phone that nobody likes to use anymore. So now is this an app that someone has to install before they travel? Well, they can uh, download it right there at the front desk if they haven't already done so. Uh, But it's on uh, the Apple Store or or, or Google as well. Now, which hotels do you currently partner with? So we are looking for uh, partnerships with uh, hotels. We currently have uh, approximately 38,000 hotels with basic service. Uh, and then we're looking to upgrade uh, those hotels to the premium service. And which markets are you currently in right now or serving? So we're uh, working out of Memphis, uh, Tennessee, and talking to hotels there. And we've also gone to uh, Las Vegas, uh, working with some uh, hotels to get them to adopt our system. And then the rest of this week is going to be spent introducing it to hotels here in Washington. Excellent. So, Excellent. Yeah. And, and how long has the app been in existence? We just launched the commercial version six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, okay. Six weeks ago. So we've been testing it for uh, about a year yeah. uh, where we ran through our beta model, our men viable product, um, to make sure that the concept worked and get the lessons learned. Went back, uh, in, inputted all those changes, and now uh, we're at the release of version 2.0, and we're ready to start generating revenue. Great. And, so. and how did you get the idea or the concept for the app? So I was traveling. Uh-huh in my hotel room, and I had my phone on my lap, my mobile phone, and I was staring right at the phone connected to the wall, and it, something just didn't click to me. It, surely there's got to be a better way. Uh, why are we still using these phones that are wired to the wall? When I don't want to use it, I'm going to use my phone if possible. And so from there, we just sort of brainstormed the idea and then developed the business model around it, and now here we are. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm with Cherian Thomas of Spotluck. Cherian, please tell me about your app. Yeah, sure. Spotluck's about food meets fun meets local. It's really hard to figure out where to eat when you're in the DMV, let alone, I mean, the whole world, right? There's so many local spots. What we do is get hugs from our biggest fans, as you can see right here. You don't don't see this, but there's actually a a huge bro (laughs) hug going on right now. On the podcast. Definitely. It's food meets fun meets local. We help people figure out where to eat in 10 seconds with locally vetted restaurants. And we patented some software that fluctuates prices based on day, time, weather, and other factors that affect consumer occupancy. So you can imagine restaurants, you know, we we fundamentally feel like prices in a restaurant on a Tuesday at 2 p.m. when it's uh, raising out shouldn't be the same as prices in a restaurant on a Friday at 5 p.m. when it's beautiful out. And restaurants agree to the tune of close to 250 in uh, a year. So... Clearly, there's a need out there. We're filling that gap, and uh, we're excited to keep growing. Cool. Uh, so now the app gives you an idea of like what places are in your neighborhood. Tell me about how you work with the different restaurants in order to have them give these promotions to your app. Sure, yeah. So we have uh, long-term partnerships with the restaurants, okay. and we really feel like not only do we help them with marketing and putting butts in seats, we help them keep butts in seats and then also give them aggregate data on, hey, who on an aggregate level is coming to your restaurant? Approximately how old are the people coming to your restaurant? And we feel that the more that they know about their guests, the better they can make marketing decisions, the better they can make specials, promotions, whatever they may, do, uh, may be. So it's about understanding the consumer or the guest and really connecting with them. That's why we have certain things like GPS verified feedback that go directly to the restaurant owner uh, so that the owner knows, hey, this person was actually in my restaurant. And more importantly, it's not shared with the world. It's going straight to me. So it's not a place to vent. It's a place to really give you know, feedback that's actionable for the restaurants. What gave you the idea to create this concept? How did you decide that you wanted to innovate in this space? 
Well, uh, the idea in itself uh, came, uh, this was my thesis when I was at Georgetown. Okay. Um, I was doing my second master's program over there. And, second master's. And it was just an idea at that point. It really kind of, uh-huh. uh, the wheels started turning when our co-founder, Brad, uh-huh. uh, came and got, got involved. He was a corporate attorney and CPA, so it's a good dichotomy. Yeah. I handle a lot more of the front end. He handles a lot more of the back end from product to patents to trademarks, things like that. And, um, you know, we just kind of fundamentally felt, hey, it is really hard to figure out where to eat. <laughs> and uh, we know that the future is yield management. You look at companies like Amazon, Amazon's changing prices 2.5 million times a day. Uh, you buy an airline ticket, no one's paying the same price. Uh, consumers are getting smarter. You don't go to redskins.com to buy a ticket, you go to StubHub. And so as consumers get smarter, businesses should too. And what we've done is found a smart, fun way to make that happen. So it's smart for the restaurant protecting their bottom line, making sure that, you know, their triple bottom line is done because we do a lot of, you know, work in the community as well. And then it's fun for the consumers because if you can make a dining decision in 15 seconds, why not? If you can get an incentive, that's even better. And if that incentive is smart, meaning we didn't just pick it out of thin air, then all parties win. And that's why people are wear, proud to wear the Spotlook shirt because restaurants win and consumers win. So. so right now you're just in the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Um, where do you see Spotlight going in the future? Nationally, uh, globally? Nationally, globally. People don't know where to eat in London. People don't know where to eat in Spain. I just got back from Spain, started talking to a couple people over there, and they were so excited about what we're doing. Um, and so we feel that, you know, it's really fulfilling a need. There's the, the restaurant space is an incredible space to be in. You know, if you look at the, the U.S. alone, it's a $600 billion industry. If you look at locally owns $137 billion. Sure. So uh, of that, there's definitely a market share. And from us, we're all about on-demand. So we're not a reservation company. We're all about what am I going to do right now? And if you take the hundreds of people in this room right now and say, hey, last 60 days, how many times did you make a reservation? The answer will blow your mind. Uh, There's not very many people making reservations. So we love the fact that we can capture that market share uh, and really let people figure out where to eat now, today. What am I doing tonight? And uh, and it's a fun space. And it's rewarding when you know that you could sleep at night that you're helping a local business. It sounds like you've captured upon a really... Great concept. Tyrion, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Anytime. Happy to, happy to hear the podcast. I'm with Stefan Walters. He is the chief executive officer of Grease Monkey Mobile. Stefan, please tell me uh, what Grease Monkey Mobile does. Okay, so essentially it's an application that allows drivers to find small businesses related to the auto maintenance and repair industry, so your car washes and body shops and things like that. And we try to make that interaction as seamless as possible, as well as trying to cut down cost and time associated with car repair. So through the app, users are able to kind of find these shops in these areas. Um, they can see the deals and promotions that a shop may be having at a particular time, the services and pricing information that they offer, ratings and reviews, in-app messaging, and also appointment scheduling and uh, tracking and management. Uh, can you please tell me which markets you're in right now? So currently we're focused in D.C. That's where we started out at. But we also do have a current focus on um, Atlanta, Georgia as well. What, what gave you the idea to, to create something like this? So it's actually a funny story. Um, I actually had the a business need for it, which you know led to the idea. I moved up here three years ago from um, Tallahassee, Florida. I uh, okay. went to school at Florida, at Florida State. And when I got up here, my taillight went out in the middle of the winter. Had no idea where to go, brand new. The first thing I did was call my mom and asked her, hey, Ma, where do I get my um, taillight fixed? She told me to go to Midas. And the first thing I told her was that if I walked in there and looked like I knew nothing about cars, they could possibly jack the price up on me, and I had no idea. 
I wish there was some. I wish there was some way of me finding shops in my area that could give me the same level of service for half the cost. And that's when the light bulb went off two years ago, and I started working on Greasemo. So it sounds like, in essence, here, Grease Monkey Mobile is to act as kind of a trusted source for accurate information. Essentially, I mean, that that is well. But what we want to do is allow these shops that users don't know about that ex- actually exist in their backyard, giving those businesses a kind of digital platform to kind of reach the, reach customers. At the same time, allowing customers to interact with the will actually interact with these shops in a very hassle-free way by trying to save as much money as much time as humanly possible. What do you see as the future of Grease Monkey? The future, I definitely see us um, expanding into different um, different areas next uh-huh. year, different, you know, more metropolitan cities, okay. as well as turning Grease Monkey from an interactive platform into a, an overall platform that includes um, a knowledge center, so it can kind of be the go-to app when you have to deal with anything regarding car maintenance or repair. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today, Spawn. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. And I'm with Max Friedman. He is the founder and CEO of Happening, which is an app that helps people plan their events with their friends and social networks. Max, can you tell me about your app? Sure. So, like you said, it's a really easy way to find great events that are happening nearby and uh, invite your friends all with a few taps uh, and manage the entire experience within the app. Uh, event discovery right now is an extremely segmented process and happening makes it all really easy to do it all in one place. So um, tell me how this works whenever you want to plan, say, like getting together for a ball game with your friends. How would I use the app? Sure. So the current state would be a very, again, segmented process where someone, an individual in the group may find the event uh, through a number of random uh, means, whether that's Google or Facebook or, or they somehow stumble upon, upon the event. Um, Today, with happening, you can uh, you can see the event. It's going to get curated to your interest. So, if you are someone who is a baseball fanatic, we will show you more baseball events. Uh, and then, it makes it really easy to invite your friends all within the app: chat, RSVP, buy tickets, call an Uber, all within the, all within happening. Where do you see the future of the app developing as you um, work on the on, on designing this and, and innovating for the future? So. The future for happening is going to be an extremely curated experience based on your personal interest and things going on in your network. We're already doing some of this largely based on your network and, and more general interests, but we want to almost take a quantitative approach the same way Pandora has done for songs that happening will do for events. And so we want to analyze data points on events and curate very specific content to you on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis based on what you're interested in uh, and, and show you those events that are really refined uh, to your interests. Cool. So, so, Max, tell me how you got the idea for this app. What made you the person to, to create kind of the events planning app here? Yeah, so the easy answer is I'm a college student, and uh, oftentimes college students are asking literally what's happening. Yeah. Um, and so as a sort of third-party observer of that, I saw, like, you know, oftentimes in my personal social group, people are doing the same things every week. Uh, they're going to the same places, and it's, it's not necessarily because there are bad events going on. It's more of a lack of information. Uh, and there wasn't an easy system for managing the whole experience. And that was sort of the genesis for, for happening, and it's evolved a lot from there. Uh, I've gotten interest now from over 100 cities uh, across the world. Uh, we're only available currently in five, uh, primarily D.C. and Boston. But I'm really excited to take what started as a college student problem and bring it everywhere for everyone. Cool. Well, it's very exciting. Thank you. Great speaking with you, Max. Yeah, you as well, George. Thanks. This is George Macharco. I'm here with uh, Andy Fine. 
He is the CEO of Valor. It's an app that uh, helps people connect, especially with alumni groups. Andy, can you please tell me about what the concept is behind Valor? Yeah, absolutely. So we wanted to set out to create an easier way for students to connect with alumni because we saw an untapped potential in alumni networks that schools have, you know, opportunities, jobs, mentors, advisors that students just aren't getting from the directory approach that, that's out there right now, and we wanted to simplify the process down to a swipe. Excellent. And, and how did you come up with the concept for Valor? Uh, it actually started out at a conference uh, for more of an event approach. I was at a networking event uh, in Philadelphia, and I think I bumped into seven attorneys in a row, right, one after the other. We have two attorneys. We don't need one. So it's a, kind of a waste of my time and a waste of their time a little bit. And I was looking over the room, and I said, you know, how could I, I somehow identify who I want to talk to in this room without just, you know, not by just looking at them. Like, there's not an easy way to do it. You can't tell who someone is just by looking at them. And so we kind of reverse engineered the process to figure out how could you go into a room like that and immediately know who you wanted to connect with. And we kind of did that with Valor. And so uh, what markets are you in currently and where do you see the expansion happening? So right now our focus is on the university space. We provide an exclusive networking community for a school where their students and alumni can connect to each other. Right? Students find alumni mentors, alumni can find other alumni who can help advance their careers. We're moving towards the organization space to help employees connect internally to drive efficiency and, re- and increase retention in large corporations. And we're also moving to events as well to help attendees, like in the first example I gave you, help attendees find and connect with the other people that they're actually interested in meeting when they go there. And so uh, what brought the concept up? Like, how did you come up with the idea for this? Was there something that you saw that the, the world needed for Valor? Yeah, I think networking hasn't changed in a while. And I think people have getting been getting a little bit tired of the awkward LinkedIn request, I guess you could sure, say, yeah. that, that cold add me to your network when you've never met the person before. Um, And I think we were just kind of hungry for a better way. And going on the heels of the success that some of the dating sites have had, Tinder with the simplicity of the swipe, Match.com and eHarmony with the power of their professional, or excuse me, romantic compatibility algorithms. And we kind of said, why don't we apply those concepts professionally? and see how we can help people advance their careers and find the right people who can help them advance their careers in that way. So do you see any kind of future expansion in different areas outside of just professional networking? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I think there's there's the opportunity to move into connecting people to jobs, okay. people to opportunities. You know, right now our focus is on connecting a person to another person. Right? Eventually I can see that going from that to person to something else. I don't know what that something else is right now, but the opportunity is there. Well, it sounds like a very interesting concept. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today, Andy. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm here with Vlad Inake, and we're talking about his startup, Ignite. Vlad, can you please tell me what the concept is behind Ignite? So, Ignite is a mobile app for planning get-togethers. The unique thing about it is that we start the whole process at the idea stage. So let's say you have an idea for maybe brunch this weekend or movie night out and not sure who would be interested in it. 
So instead of texting and emailing back and forth to see who's interested, you can pitch your idea and other people can follow it. If you get enough participants, you can make it happen. And similarly, you can uh, suggest and vote on what's the best time, location, and you can create lists and polls uh, for things like who's bringing what to the barbecue, and then people can self-organize themselves around this, saying what they're going to bring by following it. And this works for both public groups and private groups. So you could have just your friends or coworkers, or you could have a public group such as a meetup where it's more of a community, like a bottom-up community, where everybody can suggest things and you can see which ones are actually uh, have more interest inside that community. Uh, Vlad, can you tell me about um, what markets Ignite is in and, and what, what your plans for expansion are? So right now, Ignite is in the U.S. and it's all over the world, really, but it, most of the users are in the U.S. and Europe, uh, especially U.K., the Nordic countries. Uh, and right now, we, the plan is really to keep focusing on user experience. We've been doing that so far, and it's paid out dividends, I guess, since uh, Apple has featured us in 21 countries. We'll also be on Discovery Channel, and uh, we've got nominated for some uh, awards for Best App of the Year. Uh, so I think if we keep focusing on just improving the user experiences, good things tend to come. Uh, and, of course, we're still, you know, keeping up the marketing in terms of, like, releasing press releases with what's new, as well as, uh, you know, contacting reporters and all that stuff. But it's, like, just basically keep focusing on the user. Sure. Um, what gave you the idea for Ignite? Ignite came out of personal frustration trying to coordinate all my friends uh, to do anything, whether it was play a game or uh, do a trip somewhere. I would end up texting them and having 20 different one-on-one uh, -on -one text conversations about the same thing. And basically the thing might not even happen and I still can't text them anymore because I've already frustrated them or at least I would feel embarrassed to even go back and text them uh, so about something else. So I wanted a way to uh, gain interest from my friends as well as see their own ideas and be able to like revolve around some of those ideas if mine aren't great, uh, and be able to test multiple things at once. So we can like get visibility into their their things as well as be able to uh, test many of my things at the same time without uh, exhausting them. Great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I wish you a lot of success with Ignite. Thank you very much. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and connect with us on our blog, dc-entrepreneur.com. If you have any tips or ideas for stories, please tweet at us or message us on Facebook. Please tune in to our next episode, and thanks for listening.